Welcome to the Swike Podcast, the only podcast that shares the stuff you didn't know you needed to know about jobs, careers, and life. The Swike Podcast, the stuff I wish I knew earlier. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Swike Stuff I Wish I Knew Earlier podcast. So we're here again with one of our guest hosts, Angela Chung, who comes from us uh, from from SpeakFluent as as an SLP speech language pathologist. Uh, But today's topic, we thought we'd go into something a little bit more um, more intimate and and talk about uh, self-esteem and confidence. So in a previous episode, uh, you you will know that that Angela started off with a little bit of a low self-esteem and and, uh, myself included, where I don't think I had the, the high self-esteem, but we'll probably go into a little bit of our stories and then maybe some of the uh, key, key milestones, hopefully not uh, opening old wounds, <laughs> but then hopefully the, the good news is that we'll uh, probably mend those wounds and try to give us some some tips and tricks on how to recover from that uh, later on. So uh, yeah, Angela, if you want to talk to us a little bit about your experiences growing up, maybe with, I guess, uh, uh, the first or, or any uh, kind of low self-esteem moment or, or low confidence moment that you can remember and then and maybe we'll chat about that. Yeah, for sure. Well, the one memory that really stood out to me when I think about low self-esteem is when I was really young, like uh, 13 or whatever, I used to be uh, delivering newspapers, you know, okay. in my free time. Um, and for some reason, there was this one day before I went out, I just like broke down crying, just really frustrated with myself thinking like, I can't do anything. I don't know why I had this thought, but it was that bad for me. Um, thinking that I would never be good enough to do something. I don't know whether I was thinking about my career or like my academics, um, but I was, I was young, right? Like okay. it's, I think um, now when I look back at that moment, I think I, I probably should have told myself, you know, it's okay to not know what you want to do, right? I was 13. And I think for most people, even when they're in university, it's okay to not know what you want to do. If you think about the most interesting jobs right now, it's kind of like in those new areas, not the typical like doctor, lawyer, right? And I think these kind of new jobs where it's unexpected, um, where you kind of find it later on in life are the most interesting, in my opinion, just from what I've heard from other people. Um, so that that was kind of my first low self-esteem. Well, maybe not my first, but one that I remember very clearly. Um, and yeah, it was pretty bad for me. <laughs> and if I could uh, unpack some of the, the context around that. So, so 13 is it's still young. I mean, you're not even young, in, yeah. in the time where you're trying to pick university. Well, maybe you are. And maybe that could be starting to compound where uh, you are in the stage where you're creeping closer to university. Uh, you are now, um, I, well, I guess you're working because <laughs> you're delivering newspapers, right? Uh, and then uh, like you probably started thinking about uh, like, is this what I'm going to do the rest of my life? Or, or like, mm-hmm. what, what are some of the thoughts that kind of came in? Because I'm, I'm trying to contextualize of like, yeah, yeah, for uh, sure. Like, like how, how that comes into to, to play, right? Did you have a lot of these uh, self-doubts before and stuff like that? And uh, just to kind of um, normalize it with with some of our audience folks to say like yeah I've been there done that and and, and those are similar to me well growing up in uh, like well this was when I was 13 so my family um, had been in Canada for think eight years so they still had a lot of traditional values and one thing about growing up in a Chinese family with more traditional Chinese parents is they put a lot of pressure on their okay. kids so they 
they have an idea already about what they want their children to do and they have high expectations. Um, so I kind of already had that pressure from my mom and my dad to think about my career. And that's a lot of pressure to have on a kid, I think. Um, so I just, I think, felt a lot of pressure from my parents. Um, and I just before I went out to deliver newspapers, I guess I was thinking about like, okay, they want me to be a doctor or they want me to be a lawyer, but right. am I even, is that what I want to do right now? Am I good enough to do that right now? And of course, as a 13 year old, like I can't. So a lot of my self-esteem issues, I feel like came from the pressures from my parents who I think may have had unreasonable expectations for such a young kid. And I think as anyone growing up you have to recognize like what that external pressure is and if it's reasonable because just because other people say it it doesn't mean that it's a completely valid expectation to have right, right. that you know what you want to do and that like it, you want to be a lawyer like you just have to recognize those external pressures yeah yeah that I think my moment was, well, maybe not the same, but but somewhat similar where um, I, I moved to Canada when I was a bit younger. So, uh, but I'm still from an immigrant family and uh, I, I have a weird name. It's, it's Lukey, right? It's not Luke. It's not Lucas. It's whatever. It's Lukey. Uh, and, and the funny thing is that a lot of times I will uh, meet with with clients and they will have kids uh, named Luke and they say, oh, we call him Lukey as well as, as like a nickname. <laughs> so my name is almost like a nickname. And, and I was always self-conscious of that. I was, uh, I, I, it took away a little bit of my confidence uh, as a result because I wanted to be a, a normal name, like like a Michael, a Kevin, a, 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 an Andrew, like one of those things where it's a, a very westernized name. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so, so I was always, uh, uh, conscious of that. Uh, growing up, I was a, a scrawny kid too, right? I was uh, like kind of fairly stick thin, <laughs> and uh, I was quite, quite quite athletic. I could I could run pretty quickly, and I could do pretty much every sport. Um, but I was skinny, and when you're kind of like in in your your high school, uh, even university, and uh, you're kind of the 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 stick thing when thin uh, kid where they could kind of blow and you fly away right <laughs> that, that that's not a great thing and it's it's not like the physique that uh, the girls are necessarily going for too right uh, <laughs> yeah the other part other like physical part is like, like I have a pretty big forehead right? <laughs> so I was always conscious about uh, like having it and and which which makes my hairstyles kind of weird and things like that right um so so those were some of the pressures and then uh coupled with uh, kind of what you said about the pressures of, of doing well right that uh, some of it is explicitly said most of it is not and and but for some reason it still gets in your head that you have to be successful you have to work hard you got to get uh, good grades and stuff like that and yeah. uh, I, I don't think my uh, parents necessarily like forced that on me but it was a matter of um yeah I, that's how i interpret it and, and there's a lot of pressure to to be smart uh, and and I, unfortunately or unfortunately, I was also uh, identified smart. So I was I was a gifted kid, right? So I had that other pressure where oh, like the test said that he is he's good, right? Uh, yeah. And and it got me into the the um, aspect of, of if you know what a what a growth mindset and and a fixed mindset is. So I was definitely in a fixed mindset where I thought I was smart, which means I didn't have to do anything. <laughs> yeah. Everything would come naturally, and I would get it right. So if if I didn't get it right, then I must be dumb and I can't do it, right? Uh, yeah. versus now it's, it's so much like well, well of course you can't do it you've never done it before you, you've never practiced <laughs> you, you yeah. get better when you practice right 
so that was kind of my uh, upbringing. And then um, like the, the, the sh I was also shy as a, as a kid, right? Um, and probably inherited from um, my, my dad. He's computer science, like computer engineering, right? So um, that, that's probably some of the values. And it doesn't help that uh, Asian culture is, again, typically you're, you're shy and, and reserved, the, the, the model minority type of stuff, right? Um, so, so that was kind of my, my, um, my background in there. And um, so for you, did you have a, a moment where you realized, well, uh, like, I, I can do this. So you were in that kind of the, the doldrums of like, oh, like I have all this pressure, I, I have to be successful, I have all these things. And uh, there must have been a point where you kind of overcame that. Uh, can you recall maybe a time when, when that happened? And maybe not the, not the most impressive time, but maybe um, like just, just, a, just a time when you did that. Yeah, um, I think that this turning point was definitely around, I think, the first year of university or maybe the last year of high school for me, where I realized that everything was just in my in my mind, right? It's all a mindset thing because I recognize that these pressures are like external and that the things about myself I can change. And if it's internal, you know, it's all it's all in my mind. So all this about, you know, being shy, right, and not being able to talk to people, um, <laughs> that, like, I felt like I could change. And one of the turning points, just one of them, was my job at KFC that I talked about in our last episode, um, where I was put in a situation where I had to practice. I had to practice talking to people. And once I practiced, I got good at it. Hmm. And it was relatively easy, easy to change. And it's all in my mind that like, you know, I'm bad at talking to people. It's scary talking to people. You just have to be like, you know what? It's not scary. Just do it. Even though you still feel your body reacting to it. If you're, if my mind is logical, then I can do it. <laughs> so it was kind of a weird thing for me because the first few times that I talked to someone, um, I could hear it in my voice, right? My body was reacting to being nervous. Um, but in my mind, I'm just like, just do it. Just do it. Right. And then eventually it became like my my mouth just moved on its own, just said hi, just smiled and everything was like easy. Um, the second turning point of this more applicable to kind of my own career as a speech language pathologist was in university where I had to do more academic stuff and actually had to do presentations and things like that. So I again remembered you know it's it's all in your mind it's a mindset thing just change your mindset just go through with it and then slowly you're you'll adapt so during one of my presentations in university I I was never good at public speaking I was never good yeah. at speaking in front of other people um, so I would always get super nervous I am one of those people that turns super red <laughs> um, when you know you're put in the spotlight and you have to answer something really well so I gave this presentation and in the past, when I got nervous, I would kind of stumble over my words, mm. right? Um, and uh, I would forget what I was saying. But this time I was just like, okay, whatever bodily reactions you feel, you know, that, that heart beating faster, the body turning hot and red, um, that's just your body reacting to it. But you know, your mind is in control. So this is kind of like the turning point for me saying, you know what, your mind is in control. It's not your body It's not like other people's expectations being in control. You're in control of yourself. So I think that presentation that I did, I was very in control of what I was saying, because I was so focused on what I was saying and my own knowledge of the subject that I was 
confident in what I was presenting, even though, you know, I probably still turned red, but because I was more in my own head, more logical, and I knew I was confident about what I was saying, I could present more confidently than before. That, <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And w what I took from that is there's a quote that I uh, like, it's, uh, for there is nothing good or bad, but thinking makes it so. Right. So it's from, from Shakespeare's Hamlet. And uh, as you mentioned, it's a lot of it's in your head. Right. So uh, most people think it, it's awkward, but but oftentimes it's not. And uh, actually, I, I do an exercise when I do uh, kind of public speaking and things like that, where uh, if, if folks can cross their arms, right, they have a natural way they do it. Right. Uh, but then if you put like the other arm on top and the other one there, it feels like super weird when you do that. Um, but, but to the other person that, I don't know, you just cross your arms. It looks the same. Right. So yeah. I'll do that. And yeah. can they tell it, it's different or not? So it, it is in your head. And then people realize, man, like it really, it's just been in my head this whole time. Um, and, and, and my experience is, I guess a little bit, uh, similar where, um, like a lot of, uh, being introverted, not wanting to, to, to get up and, 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 um, speak. Right. So I think for, for me, the first few times were when I was working. So I was working uh, as manager and consultant uh, at, at uh, one of the big four consulting firms. And uh, like I started as a coder, as a developer. So I didn't really have to do much. And then they asked, hey, Luki, can you present at this meeting? I'm like, what? <laughs> what, what do I have to do? So, so what I did is actually I, I practiced, right? It was almost as if I was giving a speech. Like it was a small, like 30 minute meeting where I just have to present an option. But uh, I treated it like like a TEDx talk right where <laughs> I practice like um, how I'd speak my mannerism and stuff like that and uh, I, I think one of the things that that might be helpful for folks is, is that when you're confident right um, and and in doing stuff part of it is is knowing that you're competent right you yes. know the material and you understand it and the, with competence uh, comes confidence as well and then uh, you, you, you feel better. Now, it was probably the same thing where I, I afterwards I, I, I got flushed or during I got flushed and all that sort of stuff, but it, it went well because I had practiced, I had rehearsed and I knew my stuff, right? So it made it so much uh, easier uh, in, in that point. Um, for, for that first moment or in, in the, well, in KFC or whatever, um, can you recall, um, was that like a conscious effort that you that you went through in there saying no I have to do it or is it is it like oh, yeah. pricks any reflection that you had or is it just like I gotta plow through this is there is there anything that helped you along that well my manager helped for sure <laughs> okay. um, but it was definitely conscious right um before I don't think I really had that many experiences speaking with people um so so I didn't know how to do the small talk I didn't know how to do the just just smile and make other people happy right hmm. when you when you smile, you put other people at ease, but I didn't know how to smile. So when I first started, I didn't smile. Like right now you, you look at me and I'm usually pretty smiley, right? Sure. Um, my, but my manager was the one that was like, Angela, smile, just smile. And then I got used to smiling and it became natural for me to do so. I think during that process, I learned that if you smile, it puts people at ease. They'll usually mm -hmm. smile back. Right. So I kind of learned that, you know, my behaviors can affect other people. And I have I now have a skill. This is a skill to make people comfortable to build rapport with people. And this is something that I, I use in my work now. Right. Building rapport with people, making them comfortable, making them open up about kind of their feelings, about their their speech to, to help motivate them to make change. So. Yeah, that's amazing. I think uh, the, the power of a smile can be uh, incredible. And uh, one, one of the things where I work with people to help with uh, networking is to uh, first start off by looking at someone and getting them to smile back, 
right? Because the, the natural reaction when you smile at someone is for them to, to smile back. And, yeah. and, and it's one of those things where like, uh, you don't have to say anything, you don't have to do anything, they, they smile back and you're done, right? And yeah. then turn that smile into like a hi, and then turn that, that hi to a how are you, or I think for you it's hello there, <laughs> um, oh, yeah. is, is uh, w- one of those things. Uh, and then maybe engage in conversation. And oftentimes it's, it's a slow build. And uh, for those that, that, that like books, there, there's a book called uh, Atomic Habits um, by James Clear. And, and what he says is basically um, turning those uh, small little things into basically compound interest for your own personal development, right? So it starts with a smile and then it moves forward. But uh, when it compounds over a, a year, over your a lifetime, then it has an exponential result. So uh, don't be um, too, too um, kind of reserved on, on these small little things uh, that can have a, a huge impact there. Yeah. So uh, yeah. what, what are some other um, kind of tips and tricks or, or uh, moments of kind of low self-esteem or, or low confidence that uh, would be useful for folks to hear about so that they can kind of take in and, and apply to uh, their own practices. Actually, the the example that you gave earlier reminded me of something that I did to really force myself to recognize my current mindset and to try to change the mindset. Mm-hmm. So I used to be very self-conscious, which led to my low self-esteem, right? Um, and I tried to realize I was all in my mind, that people don't really care that much about me. And that when people laugh, you know, kind of a few meters away from me, they're not laughing at me, probably, right? Um, So one thing that I did to try to get out of that mindset of everything's about me, everyone's looking at me is, um, what, what do I do? So are people actually paying attention to the clothes that I wear? right? Every day. Will they notice that I'm wearing the same shirt that I did last week? (laughs) And then I, I kind of did this exercise. Do I remember what this person wore uh, yesterday? Like what did, what did you wear last time we met? I don't remember. Right. Cause people don't actually care that much about what people wear. I think unless you're, you know, in the a paparazzi, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Right. So this is an exercise that I did. Um, are people paying attention to this aspect about me? Do I pay attention to that aspect about other people? And this Mm -hmm. helped me get out of that mindset of people are always paying attention to me. People care a lot about how I present myself and what I do, what I wear. Right. So that really helped me. Cool. That, that reminds me of, uh, well, on, on social media. So, so I, I like to post regularly on, on LinkedIn and, and I've been, been having some posts that's getting a lot of attention. And then folks, uh, I, I often recommend, why aren't you posting or why don't you share your thoughts? Because a lot of people have very insightful comments afterwards. And they're like, oh, I'm too self-conscious. I don't have good self-esteem. I have low confidence. Uh, but it uh, reminds me of kind of the first time I posted, right? Because uh, I wrote something up and, and this was from like years ago, but uh, I, I couldn't even um, look at the post button as I pushed it, right? I had to like look away and go, ah, and then it went in. And then I think I posted it and like, I think there's like, I don't know, 20 views and like one like or something like that. So it goes back to the point of like, well, nobody really cares and nobody really is, is paying attention. So uh, all the thoughts of like, well, people are gonna like um, complain about it or they're gonna point out all the flaws in the, the, the logic or whatever. It's like, well, very few people even, even watched it. Now, it's not necessarily great because the whole point of those social media points, posters is for it to go viral and everybody to see it and, and all that. So when it doesn't happen, it's uh, not necessarily a good thing. But then you realize it's like, oh, most people don't really care. Uh, but then the thing is, you get whatever, 
20 views, uh, 20 likes, and, and then it goes to uh, 30 and then 40 and 50 and then, and then it kind of grows, right? You can't start and expect the first one to be viral, yeah. <laughs> right? Because yeah. uh, if not, then, well, everybody would know the formula and everybody's post would be viral and that wouldn't work either, right? So yeah. um, I think it translates for those that are uh, looking to, to get out there because I know a lot of folks are, especially in, in this uh, COVID remote environment, they're, they're using uh, social media as an outlet uh, to, to connect. Um, so don't worry about the responses and, and focus more on getting the content that you want out there, uh, the, the messages that you want out there. And the people who are important will pay attention. And everybody else, uh, it doesn't really matter. And, and actually one, one thing that I, that I found afterwards that helped where, for those who are struggling with like, confidence in terms of posting is uh, if, if you have a remark that is not uh, appropriate or, or not um, supportive of what you say, just say, oh, this post wasn't for you. This post was for someone else, right? Because you, you're you're bound to uh, when when you're connecting with like uh, millions or billions of people, someone's not gonna like it. Like, yeah. there's always you can't please it. everyone. That's another like thought I had. I can't please everyone. <laughs> can't for make sure. Everyone happy. Yeah. So so if you can get in your head that uh, you won't make everybody happy, and and there's always gonna be someone who's pissed off. Well, then you're good. Oh, okay, there you are. Thanks for coming out. <laughs> and, and then now I can help the, the other people who are actually uh, interested in, in what I'm saying and, and would benefit from it. So uh, that's awesome. So uh, are there any other uh, moments from, from uh, more recently or, or things that you might help uh, clients with that, that, that uh, are, are kind of topical for, for self-esteem and confidence? Um, I think one of the things, well, for me and the clients that I work with uh, that help with the self-esteem is knowing. So competence is very key. So for a lot of my clients that have accents, sometimes they just feel very self-conscious about their speech. They know something's different, you know, in general, um, but they aren't sure what aspect is um, noticeable or distracting or um, lacks clarity for listeners. Um, so what I do is I help them understand exactly which aspects can contribute to misunderstandings or could be improved for clarity. Um, and then they, they report feeling more confident. So for me personally, um, I've kind of adapted the way I spoke to suit, you know, whoever I'm speaking with and like the, the little things like the smile, for example, mm -hmm. um, I recognize that as this is key to making people feel comfortable. So knowing exactly what you have to do, and then being able to do it can make you be way more confident, right? But it's about knowing the specifics. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I think that's absolutely important because uh, you kind of, you don't know what you don't know, um, that mm -hmm. sort of thing. So if you have someone that, that can help um, give you more awareness of what that is, then that's better. And I think for, for folks, uh, even on their own, what they can do is, is, is reflect, right? Uh, so if you don't have the benefit of, of someone to kind of point it out, like, like a coach or mentor or uh, speech language pathologist, <laughs> then you can kind of think through um, what, uh, what you've done and what could you improve, right? If, mm -hmm. if you don't know, uh, then YouTube probably has a lot of resources, right? Uh, Google has a lot of resources, right? Um, so, so try to find, and if not, find someone who's uh, able to help, I think would be a great little thing. And uh, if we talk a little bit about, well, um, self-confident or low confidence and uh, low self-esteem is, is, is challenging. Well, what are, what are some of the benefits that, that you found with uh, getting over that and, and overcoming it? Um, I think, well, 
Like, what are the benefits of starting off with low self-esteem and then no, no, overcoming no. it? Well, well, probably, yeah, sure. <laughs> I mean, I think I think there are some benefits to having low self-esteem because you're very conscious of yourself, um, and not everyone is. Not everyone is very aware of their own behaviors and the things that they do. And I think people who have low self-confidence to start with and then overcome it, they're very aware of their own actions and what needs to be changed. Mm. Um, so I think that that's a huge benefit, being aware. I have a lot of awareness of my speech. So um, when I was learning to talk and interact with strangers, I was very aware of, okay, a smile will make them smile. Um, if you make a joke, they'll open up a bit more. They'll relax, right? They'll realize that it's a casual kind of discussion. So these are all things that I am very aware of. And I know what kind of impact it has on the other person and on the interaction in general. Um, yeah. I think it goes back to your point on, on the knowledge where uh, when, when you have that knowledge, then you have more of what you're looking for and then you can be aware and then you can be even empathetic to the other person to saying, okay, might they mm -hmm. be feeling the same or similar things? And when you can connect with them on that level, then it makes it for a much better. Yes, uh, you know exactly what I'm thinking. <laughs> That's exactly what I do. Yeah, yes, I'm like, what, what did I feel back then, right? <laughs> what did I feel when I was nervous talking to a new person? If they ask me a question about myself, all I have to do is answer, right? Because right. you already have all the answers in your head. Asking questions is harder, of course. Um, actually, one of the things that really helped me with the, the small talk aspect and making people feel comfortable was my clinic partner in graduate school. She was a people person. She was a really good people person. She would give compliments all the time. And I really valued and respected her ability to make people feel comfortable and happy and positive. So what I started to do was I just gave people compliments all mm -hmm. the time. And um like they were genuine compliments too, right? Whenever I um, saw something nice about someone, I would point it out, just bring it up and it would make people feel positive. And I would try to ask more questions about the other person. When you ask more questions about the other person, they feel more comfortable with you. So um, she was a great influence on me. Yeah, I think for me, I, I would have kind of a, a similar experience where uh, I, I found that when, when I was learning to, to network and connect with folks, I would find people who are really good at it. And I would almost kind of watch and observe and, and, and almost take notes like mentally in my head because I was like, oh, I really like what you said there or I really, really like what you did there. Because uh, some of the things that I teach is that when you're struggling to come up with a new, new conversation topic, um, you, you ask the question back. It's as simple as, and how about you, right? Yes, they ask yeah. you something and how about you? Very simple to get it back. If they don't say anything because uh, they have to ask a question back for you kind of to return it. Uh, I, I usually pick on something and say, well, that's interesting. Can you tell me more? Right. That's an easy way to continue a conversation. Mm -hmm. And then one of the other ones is for, for some reason, these outgoing bubbly people, they would talk about the most obvious things. Right. Oh, there's a lot of people here. Oh, it's really warm here. It's, it's like really loud. I'm like, yeah, thanks, Captain Obvious. But then I realize that that's kind of like a way to, to kind of continue on the conversation, uh, make for small talk and whatever. Yeah. And your point, I think you, you, you nailed it, where it's being interested and curious about the other person. Uh, it, it goes a lot farther than uh, you being the one interesting and telling all and regaling them with your stories. Oftentimes, if they, uh, the other person, uh, can, can express their interesting, I don't know, vacation story or work story, or whatever, then they'll feel more connected to you uh, when, when, when they do that as well. Right? Yeah.
Yeah. I realized I didn't have to be the interesting person because I've done, I, back then I didn't think I was an interesting person. And then I realized I don't have to be, I can just ask the other person and we can bond over our shared experience. For so, sure. Yeah. What I encourage folks to think about is, is everyone has what I call their button topic, right? Uh, that one topic that if you push that button, then they'll go la, 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 la. And yeah. even the most shy person that you know of, they have that thing that, yes. uh, well, their button's really tiny. <laughs> you really have to focus really hard on, on finding it. But uh, there's this thing where, where you can go on, on and on and on and on. So uh, yeah. part of uh, the, the conversation to be more confident in connecting with people might be to find that button, right? And yeah. it takes a bit of skill to do that. Um, but uh, yeah, so that was uh, some of the things. So conscious about um, kind of physical appearance, conscious about like connecting with each other and other people um, thinking that you're not good enough. I think for me, one of the other interesting things that I, as I reflected on uh, was um, alcohol. And, and being self-confident, self-conscious, low self-esteem, and not being able to drink, right? So oh. I'm the, the type where I, I get the Asian flush, right? I get yes. really tired when, when I drink. Uh, so when you're out in public, uh, like, I, I don't want to drink, right? Now, I, I was in management consulting, and a lot of the, the work events, uh, going out and with clients and stuff like that, involved some, some alcohol. So I was always uh, paranoid about not being able to do that. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so, uh, and then I eventually was able to use that to my advantage because everybody wanted me on a project because they would have an automatic designated driver <laughs> so that everybody could, could enjoy themselves. And they knew that just give the cookies to Luki and, and, and it's all good. Right. Um, so, so that's uh, just, just something that, that, that I was conscious of and, and was able to come up with, with something that, that uh, helped me along the way. So I don't know yeah. if that, if you had a similar experience or a different one. But... Very, very similar, actually. I also get that Asian glow. Mm-hmm. Um, my family is very not tolerant of alcohol, just like physically, not like not sure. tolerant, but physically. Um, my sister had her first sip of wine at like 25 years old or something like that. Wow. Um, and my dad has very low tolerance of alcohol, let's just say. Um, so I don't drink very much. Like I'll, I'll have a few sips now and then. But usually when people go out to drink, I don't get the, the good feeling, I think, that other people get. I usually just feel nauseous, even yeah. from a few sips. And um, I, I just can't drink very much. So I used to be very self-conscious about that. I used to um, feel the pressure, that societal pressure, that external pressure, right, to drink. Mm-hmm. Um, and during this process of high school and university of recognizing those external pressures I realized I don't have to drink if I don't want to right and um, I kind of thought logically to myself what are the pros and cons of drinking right Um, people usually drink to have fun but I didn't feel like I needed to drink to have fun if other Mm -hmm. people are having a good time I can have a good time too um I save money, don't have to spend money on alcohol. If I drink, I actually feel worse because I, I feel nauseous. So I kind yeah. of justified in my mind and became more confident in my decision to not get a drink when everyone else is getting a drink. And I think that's perfectly okay. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a, a good revelation. And uh, I, I encourage folks to consider that because uh, North America, or I guess a lot of the world in general, there's a lot of uh, kind of the, the alcohol culture where yeah. to go out, you, you, you have a drink to kind of loosen up and, and uh, have more fun and, and, and all that sort of stuff. Um, but uh, I, I, I tell um, my kids that uh, when they go to a, like an event or party and they say, this is boring, uh, right? And I say, well, no, this is not boring. You're making it boring. Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. So bring, bring the fun and do something to, to make it more interesting, right? So uh, do you need alcohol for that? I don't think so. 
right? Uh, now, if you enjoy it and 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 it, it, it tastes good to you and gives you that that um, that, that, that nice feeling and stuff, more power to you. Uh, but if it doesn't, then let's think about what 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 else could you do to make the evening enjoyable. So, I think that's a lot of interesting topics and interesting discussions on uh, kind of. Uh, self-esteem and, and confidence. Uh, are there any other kind of uh, tips and tricks that you'd want to share for folks or uh, ones that you learned as as, uh, as Angela in her younger years or something that, that uh, might be useful for some of our audience to, to know about? Um, I think that's the majority of my tips and tricks. Really like being logical and recognizing what you are in control of and what you aren't. And if you are in control of it, then you can feel free to change it. If you aren't control of, in, in control of it, then it probably doesn't matter too much. Um, and you just have to work with what you have. Yeah. I think we, we talked about a lot of the, the points that, that I would iterate. And one possibly additional one, although we kind of touched on it, is to understand what's important to you. Right. So, so when you compare that uh, in terms of your, your values, whether it's, it's on the family side, on the work side, on the uh, like having fun side, on... Um, being accepted, whatever it is, what is important uh, to you? And then kind of put that on the, the scale of, uh, does it really matter? Because uh, chances are, whatever you're doing, it doesn't really matter right? in the grand scheme of things. There are very few things that, that truly matter uh, and everything else is just kind of, uh, just, just something to potentially turn into a story later on as well, right? So uh, if you wanna go out there and uh, like do a presentation, right? It probably won't even matter, right? It, it, whatever you wanna try, uh, Picking up, a, picking up an instrument or, or trying a new language uh, or whatever it is, um, do it and, and just learn afterwards. And I think uh, you, you'll be more confident in the process. And if you can adopt that kind of growth mindset um, yeah. and, and, and use your head, I think it'll be uh, very helpful for you uh, um, in the future. So yeah. thanks so much. Buy for anything one step at a time, right? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. So thanks so much for joining us for, for the conversation. And uh, yeah, is there any parting words that you want to have for the audience? Oh, I feel like there's pressure to have parting words, <laughs> but I guess that would be my parting word. You know, start small. It's okay if you do things one step at a time and make mistakes because you can never do something perfectly on the first try. So don't try to. <laughs> Perfect. Um, and uh, yeah, thanks for joining us and hopefully we'll have you back for a future episode. It was a pleasure. Thanks, Nikki. Thank Thanks for joining us on the Swike Stuff I Wish I Knew Earlier, the podcast. If you like the podcast, please subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you found this podcast. And if you can give us a review, that would be very appreciated. Feel free to contact me on LinkedIn at Luki Danu, L-U-K-I-D-A-N-U, and the same on most social media platforms. And I look forward to hearing from you. Thanks. Bye.